another installment of Jets Audibles. Eric Allen here with Chad Pennington, as always. Okay, partner, what did you think about the dramatic finish by the Jets as they overcame a 10-point deficit to their crosstown rivals, the New York Giants, and win in stunning fashion on Sunday in overtime? Well, I think it's important um, for fans to feel good about this win because their team showed resolve. Their team uh, showed a never-die attitude, and uh, the team was able to uh, overcome adversity, and really the last eight minutes of the game was fantastic, uh, and then going into overtime was fantastic as well. So I think it showed grit. I think it showed determination, and probably – for the team itself, it showed that, you know what, we can we can win football games by passing the football. We don't just have to rely on the run to get our offense going, and that's exactly what happened for the most part. The Giants kept the running game in check with only 90 total yards of rushing, and uh, the Jets were able to pierce through with their passing game. And that's important moving forward, knowing that you can win both run and pass. So from a quarterback's perspective, what clicked there late for Ryan Fitzpatrick and your one of the first people to mention it is that he's always looked comfortable when the team goes to a tempo, a hurry-up mode. After Rontez Miles makes the momentum-turning play with the interception there, what clicked offensively for this team? Well, I think what happens, especially with a veteran quarterback, when you get into uh, no-huddle situations and hurry-up situations, you really get dialed in mentally. And I think that's important for a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who is extremely smart and and sees the field well. When he's able to dial in mentally and be part of the play calling and directing of traffic, I think that really helps him and his rhythm. And then it obviously affects the offense in in a positive way as well. And so uh, at first, when I was watching, went back and watched the game, I felt like, well, the Jets didn't do anything in, in the second half until the eight-minute mark. Well, there was a reason for that. They only had one drive until eight minutes left uh, in the fourth quarter because the Giants had held the ball for so long. So uh, that was kind of a, a misrepresentation of the Jets' offense and just a good job of the Giants holding the football on offense as well as the Jets making some key penalties to keep drives alive. And So the Jets' offense didn't really have opportunities until that eight-minute mark when they were down uh, 10 points uh, in the fourth quarter, and they were able to establish a rhythm and get back into sync and do some great things and, and end up going into overtime to win the game. Well, looking back at that first drive at 20-10, to 10, he got Decker involved right off the bat, and he kept on going to him, and the Jets moved down the field and eventually cashed in with the field goal. Did the Giants start to, start to uh, play a little bit differently in the secondary? Uh, as far as a little bit more off, or Decker was just beating coverage there? He was certainly beating coverage, and I think uh, we have to give Coach Gailey credit. Sometimes as coordinators, uh, we can overthink ourselves as coordinators and think we have to be so multiple in our play calling. And you can see that throughout both of those drives, he went back to plays that had already worked. And it's one of those things, as a veteran play caller, you're saying, hey, until you stop it, I'm going to run the same things. And that's exactly what happened. You saw the Jets have a lot of success, in my opinion, in two areas. In the empty package, they had success uh, down the field as well as short throws. And then their screen package really paid dividends for them 
early in the game and late in the game, being able to create plays um, and explosive plays with just simple screen calls, which is important. That slows down the pass rush, gets the ball out of Fitzpatrick's hand early, and, and really controls the tempo of the defense. So what can that do for this team moving forward, like you just mentioned, the screen packages? Bilal Powell looks really fresh. You pointed it out after the Houston game. You like what you saw of him in the loss. Now a couple weeks later, the Jets have suddenly won two games in a row, and he has become a real threat out of the backfield in the pass game. Well, he's an extension of the running game for Chris Ivory. Not only can Bilal Powell do some uh, damage in the running game, now he's an extension of that running game in the short passing game, uh, whether it be screen plays, uh, check downs, uh, or even matchups out on the perimeter, he creates another advantage for the Jets' offense, which is extremely important. We know that the running game has been solid all year, and we've said that for the, this Jets team to take the next step in making their playoff run, they have to prove that they can be consistent in the passing game. And I think the last two weeks they have done that. The passing game has made big, big plays. And I think that will serve them well into these last four games of the season, knowing that no matter what the situation is uh, and what situation we find ourselves in as a team, I think the Jets feel like they have a chance to win because all facets of the offense have proven that they can be productive. How much pressure does it put on the defense right now, what Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker continue to do? Last game against the Giants is the first 100-yard wide receiver duo for the Jets since all the way back to Wesley Walker and Al Toon. Wow, that's a stat for you there. That's impressive. Um, and I think that, first of all, with both of their production, I think, first of all, it leads to the fact that Fitzpatrick is an equal opportunity quarterback. He's going to read the coverage. He is going to make sure that he takes what the defense is giving him. And both receivers aren't pressing. They trust Fitzpatrick that throughout the game they will get their chances, their opportunities. So no one's pressing right now within this offense. They are letting the plays come to them when they come and when those opportunities happen. That's, that's number one. Number two, for two weeks now, we've seen a young receiver – make a couple of plays in the passing game. Anunua made two plays in the passing game, which was important. The week before, Smith made two plays. And now you add Powell as that third option. That really creates uh, an advantage for the Jets offense. You played against Fitzpatrick uh, when you were a player. Obviously, you were preparing for opposing defenses. But what have you seen from him now through 12 games? Because you break down the tape each and every week. And what have you seen from him that has impressed you as far as his development as a player that maybe the Ryan Fitzpatrick we saw three or four years ago? Well, I think, uh, number one, he is finally in tune with what his strengths are. And to me, first of all, his number one strength is his mind. And delivering the football with anticipation and accuracy and not forcing throws uh, that he doesn't need to force. That's number one. Uh, number two, uh, he's done a really good job of just seizing the opportunity, whether it be with his arm or with his legs. He has made big plays. Think of the fourth down and sixth play on Sunday. That was with his legs. That was a veteran move to say the coverage is there. Let's don't just throw it up for hope and prayer. I've got a chance to get six yards, and he does. Uh, that comes with experience. 
knowing when to run, when not to run, and at the right time to run. I think that's, that is extremely important. The third thing that I've seen that's been really impressive for me is that he has really become a solid passer. And there's two plays that bring that to mind. Number one, against the Dolphins, the corner throw to Brandon Marshall early in the game was, was an amazing pass, knowing the type of duress that he was under and how early he actually threw the ball. That was fantastic. And then in overtime on Sunday on third and two on a bootleg pass, he hits Eric Decker. And if you go back and watch the film, that was not a a missile of a throw. That was not a 100-mile-an-hour throw. It was a soft touch throw thrown before Decker came out of his break, ends up on the sideline where Decker can catch it or no one. It was a huge first down conversion that that is the difference in throwing the football and passing the football and that's an area that Fitzpatrick has really elevated his game you were such a great red zone player yourself we talk about it every week but I want to look at it from a, a total package the whole perspective how impressive is it right now for this Jets team to be leading the NFL not only in touchdown efficiency offensively but they're also doing that defensively. They're number one in the league in red zone at both units. Well, and that's why they're 7-5, and five, I think, because uh, the defensive has kept uh, opponents out of the end zone as far as touchdowns are concerned. And offensively, the opportunities that they have gotten, they've really turned into points and touchdowns, and, and that's important. And, and so that bodes well for the last four games because uh, these next four games uh, – you're not going to be able to predict what exactly is going to happen. Uh, but you've got to know that uh, when, I, when the Jets are in the red zone, they have proven that they can score touchdowns and score them uh, consistently. And when the Jets' defense is in the red zone, they have proven that they can turn those touchdown opportunities at least into field goals. And that's, that's the difference between winning and losing in the month of December. It comes down to those finite categories. A very strange game. Obviously, on Sunday, like you mentioned, the Jets didn't have a lot of opportunities with the football in the second half because the Giants held the ball for 11-21, partner. Obviously, they converted a couple times on third down. A number of penalties really hurt the Jets, but they came through when they needed it most with Rontez Miles' interception. That really changed the ball game. But were you impressed, uh, or what do you think this coaching staff did from a defensive adjustment perspective because the Jets gave up some big passing plays in the first half. Odell Beckham got his yards in this game. But uh, one of the things the guys were saying on Monday, Chad, was early on we played a lot of zone. Then in the second half we kind of switched some things up. We played some more man. Remember, this team was down without, uh, without Darrell Rivas, who – for a second consecutive game was in concussion protocol. Marcus Williams, who leads the team with five interceptions, he didn't play. And then Calvin Pryor, who's become a force in his second year, he was out with a stinger as well. Well, I can completely agree with the players, and I think it was a great adjustment. I think the Jets went in knowing their injury situation in the defensive backfield saying, we probably will need to play more zone to protect ourselves. And then they made an adjustment. The staff made an adjustment saying, you know what? We can actually cover these guys. We feel much better about our coverage situation. And maybe the Giants receiving core as a core 
is not as good or we're giving them too much credit. And so they changed, and that's exactly what I saw. I saw more man-to-man coverages as the game progressed, and it, it, it went well for the Jets in that area, and they covered extremely well in man-to-man defensive situations. And so that was a great adjustment by the staff to make that adjustment and go away from what they thought the game plan would be about, and then the players responded and made it happen. A very emotional locker room, and you know the way Todd Bowles is going to be uh, considering – uh, he was down there in Miami with you when you were a Dolphin, and you know his approach because you worked for his mentors, like a guy like Bill Parcells. But with all that being said, coming back from 10 points down for just the 10th time in franchise history when you're down by 10 or more in the fourth quarter, beating the Giants, finishing, emotional locker room, what could this do for the team as it enters the final quarter? Well, I think I think the biggest um, point of this game and how this game evolved and turned out was that the Jets know if there's time on the clock, we have a chance to win, whether it be our defense making a big stop and coming up with a big play, we've done that. Uh, whether it be our offense uh, putting a couple drives together and taking our team into, into overtime or winning games, we've done that. So now they have proof and what the coaches have been preaching. And that's important for a team. It's, it's one thing to hear it and to talk about it. It's another thing to be about it and to actually have proof that you've done it. And this team, they have done it. They've been in multiple situations where adversity has struck, and they've been able to answer the call. And so this is another example of them being able to answer the call. Mind you, not only did they come back from 10 down in the fourth quarter, it was 10 down with eight minutes left. That, that's big time. That's, that's very, very difficult to do, and they were able to do that. All right, let's take a couple of Twitter questions on Jets Audibles for Chad Pennington. Rob writes in and asks, where's the breakdown of the run game? The offensive line and Ivory have appeared to hit the wall in recent games. Before you take that, I just want to tell you, Chad, that Chris Ivory had 10 carries for 47 yards, so those numbers weren't that bad. Not at all. I didn't feel like the run game uh, uh, was bad. I, I felt like the run game was successful. It's just that the opportunities, because of the game and the type of game it was, the opportunities were there in the passing game. That's why you had 50 attempts. I thought the running game was efficient. It wasn't great stats. It wasn't a 150-yard day. But it was efficient. And when you watch the game, you see that the Giants, they were having eight men in the box. The safeties were blitzing off the edge. Receivers couldn't even get to the eighth element and trying to block the eighth man in the box because they were coming off the line of scrimmage and the receivers weren't able to take care of that issue. So that's why the Jets then had to go use the empty package, use the spread packages, use the screen game as an extension of the running game. That's what's great about an offense when it can find ways to complement its defense by finding other ways than your typical ways to produce, uh, whether it be the screen game, short passing game, uh, the draw game, you name it. Uh, that's what you're looking in uh, for an offense. It's not necessarily your run-of-the-mill statistics that you're looking for. You're just looking to see, can an offense be efficient and effective in all areas? And, and that's, that's what the Jets have been able to find, that they've been able to find success in different areas of their offense. You are a tough guy, as most quarterbacks are. Anybody who makes the National Football League, most guys are mentally and physically tough. How much do you appreciate 
the way Fitz attacks it out there, his mentality, because he took some vicious shots early in that ball game. He kept on getting up. Well, I'm, I'm always worried because I, I never want to see him take an unnecessary hit. I know that those hits add up over time, and it only takes one to take you out of the game. So I, I love the grittiness. I love the opportunistic attitude. I always want to see him just protect himself because the Jets – are at their best when he is behind center right now. And if he uh, has to suffer a hit that takes him out, that doesn't bode well for the Jets, in my opinion. So, uh, But there's no doubt I love the attitude that he has had uh, to be able to play with the injury that he's had. Uh, I don't think people are talking about that enough. That's extremely difficult uh, to go through the adversity that he's faced uh, from an injury standpoint and to play – actually, and to actually improve. He is improving – as the season moves forward and going into this, uh, these last four games, I think you feel good when you watch his quarterback play that it's not stale and it's not uh, declining. He's actually on the incline and on the rise as far as his play as a quarterback in this system. Uh, Frank wants to know, what are the things the Jets need to clean up the most in your mind? Well, number one, it's special teams. Uh, they must clean up the special teams' miscues. Uh, and clean up the return yardage from the opponent. I think uh, once you show that you have that weakness, teams put an emphasis on it. Tom Coughlin told Dan Faust, we have an advantage in the return game, and they were proven right. And until the Jets prove the opponent wrong, you will see an emphasis put on the return game uh, in special teams. So that, to me, is number one because that is a game changer. That can... That's the difference in winning and losing is the simple return yardage because you don't see that in statistics. Those are hidden yards that create field position and create points. And you've got to address that as a team. And then secondly, I think they just have to clean up those miscues, whether it be a busted coverage, a holding penalty on offense, or a defensive hold or pass interference on defense that are keeping drives alive or making drives a stop. Uh, those are the, the simple things that you have to clean up to make sure that if you're getting stopped or you're getting uh, or you're not being able to stop someone, it's because that they're just flat better than you. But when you are allowing drives to stay alive or you're not staying on the field because of your own mistakes, those are things that you have to clean up. All right, David's coming at you with some stats here. He writes, six of the seven Jets wins came when they scored 10 or more points in the first half. What can the Jets do to get off the offense and rhythm and get more first-half scores? Well, that's, that's a good point. I think that um, if you look back at it, I think you'll probably find that a lot of those points have come at the end of the second quarter. They've been really efficient in two-minute drives in trying to score points before the half. So um, not to be nitpicky, but if you'd like to see a better start, it certainly would be in the first quarter. But we all know that it's not how you start, it's how you finish, and they're doing a good job of finishing. So if we're really being nitpicky, you, you would at least want to see, even if it's not points, Eric, in the first quarter, you would want to see a couple of drives that are seven and eight play drives. Number one, that's important for your defense. And then number two, it's important for your off, offense to gain a little, a little rhythm, even if it's not scoring. All right, so fast forward to this week, buddy. Uh, Jets are seven and five. They're hosting a three and nine Tennessee Titans team, who's coming off a victory, and they have a rookie quarterback that 
I know you got a little bit familiar with um, probably in Indy uh, at the scouting combine. And Paulie asks, how does New York stop Marcus Mariota? Well, this is a complete trap game. Three and nine team uh, coming in for a seven and five team at home, making a playoff run. Complete trap game. I have lost one of these games before. Luckily, in two thousand and six, when we played Buffalo at seven and five at our place, we lost, and we were lucky enough to and good enough to win the last three to get to ten and six and, and make it in. But this is a complete trap game for the Jets, and you certainly um, want to make sure that you have a complete total team victory and it's going to take that i think uh, when you're facing a young quarterback uh, especially like uh, marcus mariota you can't allow him to make plays with his feet uh he proved sunday that he has an opportunity he has a he's very opportunistic with his feet with that huge touchdown run that he had against the jaguars so it's important that you contain him in the pocket force him to be a passer on all downs don't just rush past him Make sure you push the pocket up the middle, keep him in that pocket, and make and see if he can be consistent for four quarters and making solid reads. Uh, I think that's number one. Uh, partner, has his accuracy impressed you? Because we know he's a tremendous athlete, but a lot of uh, times at Oregon, I really didn't know what I was looking at because you know this, a lot of these big D1 programs, they can out-athlete other schools at times, and there aren't a lot of reads, but... On the pro level now, and I know they probably simplified this offensive system because he's a rookie, he's still putting up impressive numbers as far as completion percentage is concerned, and he's only thrown nine interceptions so far. Well, I agree with you, Eric. I think that his accuracy has been something that's been impressive, and um, I think the Titans should be uh, happy about that and, and, and pleasantly surprised and impressed by that because uh, I agree with you. In the spread systems in college, a lot of these receivers are sitting there wide open and not a defender within three to four yards of them. And, and he's been able to make some, some big-time throws in, in certain situations that are good passes and that are accurate passes with anticipation and that have the right accuracy. And so that's important to see when you're trying to develop a quarterback uh, it's one thing to just be able to throw against air, but can you hit what you're aiming at uh, when the lights are on? And he's starting to prove that he's probably a better passer than what most analysts thought he was coming out of college. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, defensively, their front can get after it. You're talking about guys like Casey, Brian Arakbo coming off the edge. I believe they're tied for fifth in the National Football League in sacks. They gave up a lot of passing yards last week to Jacksonville. So this is going to lead me in to my next question, and this actually comes in from Eric. Good name. Uh, Chad, how many touchdowns would you have thrown in your era with Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker as your receivers? <laughs> I would hope uh, many more than what I did, and I actually had a chance to possibly play with Brandon Marshall when I was in Miami, and I got a chance to play three plays with him. <laughs> before I got injured on my last shoulder surgery. And I just remember that week of practice, uh, the connection that we were developing. And, you know, I was going to him a lot in one-on-one situations, and he was surprised, pleasantly surprised that I was doing that. And he knew that I was going to get him to football. And I was really looking forward to it. So, uh, you know, I've been impressed with Fitzpatrick and, and Brandon Marshall's chemistry. Uh, to be able to have this type of chemistry 
um, 12 games in. That that's that's impressive to be able to do that, not having played with each other before. And uh, and then you throw in Eric Decker, who has just been so, as solid as they come. I mean, it is a great one-two combination. There's no question about it. And uh, defenses struggle in trying to defend both of those guys. All right, so the Jets sit here at 7-5 and five if the season ended today, which we all say, but obviously we've got a quarter of the way to go. The Jets would be right in that playoff frame. Three 7-5 and five teams. Kansas City keeps on winning, Chad. Six in a row. There are a lot of pundits out there who look at the schedule and say Kansas City could win out and go 11-5, and five. and then you got Pittsburgh there, 7-5 as well, and they have – Two tough ball games coming up right now. What do you think about the Steelers the next two weeks? First, going to Cincinnati and playing against the Bengals, and then next week coming home and playing the Denver Broncos. How do you think the Steelers are going to fare those two matchups? Because an explosive offense goes at the, is going to go against the NFL's top two scoring defenses. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. That's that's going to be a great matchup to watch over the next two weeks because the Steelers have an explosive offense, and Ben Roethlisberger has done a great job. Todd Haley, the offensive coordinator, former Jet uh, coach, has done a great job in creating opportunities uh, for that offense, even with the injuries that they've sustained uh, in the offensive line as well as with their running back situation. I mean, they've done an outstanding job of – of really doing some good things in the passing game and on offense in, in general. Uh, the three wide receivers that they have are as good as uh, anybody in football when it comes to a complete wide receiver core. And so that's going to be a big challenge for the Bengals and also for the Broncos. Um, I think for the Bengals it plays into their hands that it is in Cincinnati. But in that AFC North division you can't you can't really put your hat on anything as far as what is going to happen. So uh, – for the Jets, from the Jets' situation and standpoint, uh, you know this is these are two big weeks. That's why these next two weeks are just as important for the Jets as it is for the Steelers because the Jets can certainly get a win against the Titans moving forward. Where the Pittsburgh Steelers have a difficult game, that could be a step in the right direction and get a step ahead in this wild card race. Yeah, I love Bowles' approach, and you'll like this too. As a former player, he said. We're just going to keep our head down. At the end of it, we'll look up and see where we're at. Jets fans can keep their eye on the opposing scoreboard during these ballgames. But what I tell you that Kansas City has a, three of their next four, three of their final four games at home against San Diego, Cleveland, and Oakland, a team they just beat on the road. And their only road date is, is against a Baltimore team that has struggled this year could you foresee the Chiefs winning out? Oh, no question. They, they can. They can. When we were in Miami, we won nine of our last ten. And so, uh, and when we were sitting there at six and five and one out. So it can certainly be done. It won't be easy, but they can certainly do it, and they certainly have the momentum. Uh, and that would be impressive after starting, uh, you know, one and five and be able to win ten in a row which as, as uh, when I was in Miami, we won nine out of ten. So it can certainly be done, and they have the right situation to do it as well. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be done, but it's out there for them. Yeah, and then, you know, you look at the AFC still. The Bills are right in the mix still, right on 
you know, on the cusp, it looks like, on the, on the edge, I should say, six and six. And the AFC South is wild and wacky with Houston and Indianapolis both being six and six. A lot of football left to be played, but the Jets continue to play meaningful football in December. You're going to be up here at MetLife Stadium on Sunday, aren't you? Absolutely. I'll be up there uh, visiting some suites and fans and things like that. Looking forward to it. I think anytime you have your team in a playoff race in December, it is a lot of fun for fans. Uh, that's when it really you really start to see what NFL professional football is all about when you have playoff teams buying for spots in December. The intensity is much, much greater. Uh, it's on the line. And uh, I think this month also proves – that you'll see some teams actually just flat out lose ball games that they shouldn't, and and that they you know they gave to the opponent, and that's what you want to stay away from uh, as a team is making sure that you're doing everything you can uh, to not just give a game to an opponent, but really focus in on the little details of the game that can change the game. All right, we're looking forward to seeing you up here, partner. Hey, you too, Eric. Thank you.